Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Well, last week, last week I talked about our least favorite words, right? And I talked about, uh, you know, that for most of us, it's no, but for me, it was, we'll see, right? You know, we'll see, you know, we talked about that and I actually heard from my college son this past week. He said, dad, I actually loved when you would say, we'll see, because that often meant yes. It's so funny how those things changed. He knew right where the sermon was going. Jesus changes our, we'll see into we will see. He knew right where it was going. But this week, this week, I'm thinking about my favorite things that my kids have said. My favorite things that my kids have said. These things just, whenever they say them, whenever they said them, it blew my mind. It just shook me to my core. I absolutely loved it. We laughed for hours or days or even months. There's some cute ones, like one of my kids when he was little, instead of saying hamburgers, he said hangabers. And I don't know what that was, but it was like, we're going to go to uh, McDonald's and he eat hangabers. I got another little guy that's, uh, that says every time he talks about going to eat at McDonald's, he talks about going to old McDonald's. Dad, okay. can we go to old McDonald's? <laughs> and then there's like this one picture I got. I was taking a picture of one of my sons. He had, he had these like wool gloves on and had all this snow and ice from when he was playing outside. And he was like, Daddy, there's something on mine hands. And I just remember how cute and sweet that was. And then I had one of my other sons, we were, we were taking a video at dinner time. He had just gotten a filling at the dentist. And this will probably tell you which kid it was because he goes, I got new teeth and they're silver. It was awesome. He was so excited to have silver teeth in his mouth. It was so weird. And upon adoption, our girls wanted to change their middle names. They got to change their names to whatever they wanted to. And, and the first one wanted Sparkle Diamond as her middle name. And I thought... That's amazing. Let's think of other alternatives that might work. And the other one was like, well, I'd like to actually just be Swift. So then I'd be Taylor Swift. I was like, we've got, we got to figure these things out. But then there's some of those just like bombs, right? So, so Melody was going to get her vaccine this week, Pastor Melody going to get her vaccine, the first one. And, and, uh, and, and at the same time, my son Copeland also had to get some shots, right? So, so she's going to uh, get the shots and he, he's going to go first. And, uh, and, and she says, oh, well, I'll hold your hand with you at your shot. And then you can hold my hand when I go to get my shot. And he's just like, okay. So he goes, gets his shots and little lip quivers, but she's holding his hands. He kind of makes it through. And then she's like, okay, when it's her turn to get her vaccine, she's getting ready to get her vaccine. And he looks up and he goes, he literally looks her right in the eyes and goes, when I'm an adult, I don't think I'm going to need somebody to hold my hand during a shot. And just stares at her. It was amazing. Just dropping bombs. And I remember when my, when my sons were really young. They were upstairs talking and they're up in their bunk beds and, and my sons were talking and it sounds sounded like it was one of those moments where the older brother was just like telling the younger brother just like life truths. I mean, it was just like one thing after another of this just information that he was just dropping on him. One thing after another after another. And all of a sudden we hear this, the, our, my younger son, start just calling out, Mommy, Daddy. We're like, we go up, we're like, what's going on, buddy? He goes, he goes, <laughs> he goes Ashton's hurting my mind. 
<laughs> Speaking of blowing our minds, blowing our minds, we're examining our minds a bit today. We're talking about our, our sermon series called Heartbreaks, and we're examining our heart, our soul, our mind this week. And we're going to jump right into John chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. So if you've got your Bible, follow along with me at home. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords, hang on to that, and drove all of them from the temple courts. Both sheep and cattle, he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. These disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, What signs can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he said, and they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus had spoken. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. Now, there's three things that really stand out. You know, everything good in the church comes in threes, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the, the three days of Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, then Easter Sunday, the Saturday night visual, right? Three things. All of these could probably be their own sermons. Can I teach today? Is that all right? I'm just going to teach today. I feel like I feel like we got some teaching. I've been preaching a bunch recently, and I want to do some teaching. So this is the first thing. And it hit me right out of the gate when we were thinking about this scripture. And I preached about this part before because I think this is one that you just can't ignore. That Jesus walks into this mess. I mean, just this mess of all kinds of craziness going on. But it says he made a whip of cords. It doesn't say he got a whip of cords. It says he made a whip of cords. And there's some translations that talk about a braided whip of cords. Now, think about that. I don't know if you've ever, like, like I have two girls, and every once in a while they ask me to braid their hair. I'm not great at it, but I'm getting better. And, and when you braid hair or you braid anything, you can't just like, and it's done. It takes a minute. You have to slow down. Put one over the other, round underneath, over the other, round underneath, and you go all the way down till you're done. Jesus took his time. He walked into a mess, but he took his time. And he did that so that he wouldn't leave his mind. It just, you know, I, I think so often we, especially those of us that have kids, and, uh, and, and I think it even translates to those of us that don't have kids, that have work situations that just hit us, and we walk into a mess, and we want to just fly off the handle. Oh my goodness, I cannot believe you didn't listen to me. Oh my goodness, I can't believe this thing was going on. And we've always said as parents that we try our best, try, to count to ten. One. Two, woosah, <laughs> five, six, right? Slow it down. Don't go in, fly off the handle. See, his passion has a purpose. What Jesus is there to do has a purpose, and his passion can translate into that. But if passion gets rushed, it could lead to poor decisions. Think about the story of the civil rights movement, for example. So, so I think about like Rosa Parks. And, and I, whenever I think about the story of Rosa Parks, I'm like, okay, this was a fed up woman who got into a bus 
in the middle of a really, really awful time in our country and decided in that moment, this was the moment. But I did a little research and actually that's not the case. It wasn't a spontaneous move. She had actually been a civil rights leader at that time for 13 years. It was calculated. It was pointed. It was purposeful. She took her time. And when the moment was right, her passion had a purpose. She chose that moment carefully. And her purpose, her purpose-filled passion, paved the way for civil rights movement to change forever. See, they didn't let passion take the wheel. Jesus didn't let passion take the wheel in his mind in such a way that it was rushed. But he didn't ignore it either. Either He used that passion with a purpose because passion must come with patience and a purpose. That's the first thing. Number two, he overturned the tables. Things had to change. It couldn't go on like that anymore. This was the temple. This was the place. This was the place where everyone would come and gather. We couldn't let this sacred place get perverted and changed and turned into something awful. I want you to save that for a little bit later because I do think there's occasions when we get really lost in the sacredness of the sanctuary. As a matter of fact, we start thinking about the church as a building like this very, very holy and sacred place. And it is absolutely, but it is because it is the house where the gathered people come. The church, remember, is not the building, it's the people. I was uh, I was asked to be a part of a, a panel of speakers this past week uh, to speak uh, for the Southeastern Synod, which is Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi. All those four states uh, form what's called this geographical area called the, uh, the Synod, the Southeastern Synod. And it was a really cool thing to get invited to speak on and talk a little bit about um, how churches can change how they understand revenue and, and finances a little bit differently and, and being able to use some of the things that we're going to do here at the old dairy farm at Christ South. It's going to be really, really cool. And there was a guy talking about uh, how to find revenue in a church and he's listing out all of these ways. And he said, but make sure, and this is in Atlanta, all right? So this, this is Atlanta where there's tons and tons of films all the time being, being done in, in places around Atlanta. As a matter of fact, Melody and I were watching a movie last night uh, and even saw parts of Atlanta that we used to drive by in this thing. It was supposed to be New York, but it was clearly Atlanta. You could even see it was crazy. So much film industry there. But he's like, there will be no films in the sanctuary. Now, <laughs> the great irony is I was in a film with Michael Douglas <laughs> in that sanctuary, which by the way, if you ever want to go look and see some crazy stuff, man, I got to act alongside Michael Douglas. And by act, I mean, do this. That was amazing. <laughs> but this wasn't just about the temple, right? The overturning of the tables. It wasn't just about the temple of stone. Jesus talks moments later about the temple, but he was talking about what? His body. Jesus is calling them and us to see how important, holy, and sacred that we are. Are not just the place. You know what? Look, look, look somebody in your house or close to you or text them and you just tell them right now you are holy, you are important, you are sacred. You are holy, you are important, you are sacred. Makes us think what about the sacredness of our lives? What about this temple? Brothers and sisters, the second thing you are a temple. So maybe what needs overturning? In your life. The third thing 
zeal for your house. Now, when I, I had to go look this up. I had to see where this came from. It came from Psalm 69. And I'm just going to take a look at this. It says the disciples remembered this. And they would have remembered it because Jesus probably was quoting. It was probably giving all kinds of scripture as he's doing this. I mean, that's the way that he sort of did things in the midst of these moments of great passion and, 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 and even frustration. Even on the, on the cross, remember he says, uh, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, right? Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's another psalm, right? So he was probably in the midst of this probably was saying this psalm and it starts like this you ready for this save me O god for the waters had come up to my neck i sink in the miry depths where there's no foothold i have come into the de deep waters the flood engulfs me i'm worn out calling for help my throat is parched my eyes fall looking for my god those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs on my head many are my enemies without cause those who seek to destroy me i am forced to restore what i did not steal you god know my folly my guilt is not hidden from you and it goes on like that for verse after verse after after verse, but then there's this moment where it changes, where Psalm 69 turns into something completely different. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. I will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hooves. The poor will see and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts live. The Lord hears the needy and does not despise his captive people. Let heaven and earth praise him. The seas at all that move them. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then people will settle there and possess it. The children and his servants will inherit it. And those who love his name will dwell there. It changes. It turns because God is the God of redemption. God brings that zeal. It's not just about this one moment about jealousy or passion or in, like just incense frustration. It's about what God is doing, bringing redemption. There's redemption happening in the word through the work of the Lord. There's movement and resurrection. Jesus chose this psalm probably on purpose, this turning over, this glimpse of the kingdom of God, which starts in one place, but yet is renewed, rebuilt in a whole different one. Tear down the brokenness, rebuild the body brothers and sisters this is what lent is all about these three things taking time to reflect overturning the mess and seeing redemption through god's word i want to shift just a little bit i've been talking about each of us it's good stuff. We've been talking about ourselves and how God moves in us. We've been examining our hearts. But let's talk about this. This. Our church. This gathering that we've got this afternoon. This online experience we have now. The community gatherings that we have coming up. It, it, COVID time has been tough. It has been tough. We miss everyone. We're missing so many things. We did a, a Southman pig roast this last, this last weekend, and it was amazing. The community of guys that got together and just got to sort of be and talk and see one another. We hadn't seen each other in so long. We could finally see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. It was a great foretaste. And this time, as a church, we're taking time to reflect. We're overturning the mess and we're seeing redemption through God's word. It's a great time to think about our mind as a church. It makes us tick. What do we really 
about. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 12. We'll put it up on the screen for you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. See, this is exactly the kind of thing that Jesus is talking about, about this temple, this sacred, holy, and important us. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Renewing our gathering together gives us a chance to renew our minds. We've never been about conforming. We've always pushed and pulled against the script of the church. We have itself. So in this new chapter for us, how is God going to be renewing our minds, working on us? We're finding so many people right now yearning for community. And we're inundated with busy schedules. I feel like some of us are so packed. It's just crazy. How many of you guys got bigger, busier rather, during COVID? Maybe you got bigger too. I know I know some of us did, right? But how, how many of you guys got busier during this COVID time? See, COVID meetings online mean that like you just went from one thing right to another, from hour to hour. There's no moments really in between. It was crazy. And maybe Jesus' greatest miracle, <laughs> I've heard this, I've said it a number of times. Maybe Jesus' greatest miracle was being over 30 and having more than one close friend. <laughs> because people are craving community. They were before, and now even more. And they're stacked up with so many things. In church, that's our call. Let's help people find community. My three-year-old, my three-year-old really only knows masks and social distancing. Think about that. He really only knows masks and social distancing. He's trying to make some sense out of it all. Trying to make some sense out of it all for him is so tough. But I think it's always been tough to talk about faith in the midst of any kind of crisis. Faith lives are right now even more parched than they ever have been before. I mean, how do we talk about our faith in the midst of all this? We can't gather as the church. We can't do all the things we normally do. My kids are tired of Zoom. They don't want to go to classes online. I get it. But we're in a place and a people that can talk about Jesus. We can share our faith and sometimes, amen, use words, amen. Sometimes we use words. Church, that's our call. Let's help people build faith big part of john 2 that gets overlooked it's a little bit about the temple courts right the temple courts were this sort of outer area right you had the holiest of holies in the middle and then there are these different parts that you were allowed access to if you were of, of certain ilk right the holiest of holies was for the, the top level priest only right and all of the folks all the way out here was almost like for like the riffraff right this is where in this temple courts area this is where the Gentiles could worship. It meant that the Gentiles area was chock full of junk. That meant that outsiders that wanted to come worship at the temple had no place to worship. They were in the midst of nothingness. The world had creeped in and taken over space in God's house. And somebody's hearing that this morning. Where are the parts of who we are? Where the world has crept in, the crises and difficulties of the world have crept in and made it difficult for us to worship God the way we feel called to worship. Brothers and sisters, we've got to examine what we do, 
so that all are invited. We got to think about what might be getting in the way. We can't just be about ourselves. Our calling is always to face outward. It's to tell the good news of Jesus. And we can only minister from the overflow, right? French is always talking to us about that. When our cup is finally full, it starts to overflow. That's when ministry can happen. But so many of us have very empty cups. Church, that's our call. Let's help people reach beyond. That's who we're going to be in this new chapter. That's what it means for us to have a renewing of the mind. Our mission is going to be a three-part mission. Find community. Build faith. Reach beyond. So church, in your life, and in our gathered life together, how might God be giving us time to reflect and see what needs to change, calling us to use our passion with patience and purpose, overturning the unhealthy parts of who we are, breaking through the brokenness and, and bringing a new light in us? Might make our minds hurt a little bit. Mom, Dad, Ashton's hurting my mind. But sisters and brothers, come on. God is doing something new, something amazing. Today we set a new chapter in motion. God is about to rebuild Christ's south with patience, passion, and purpose, overturning our tables, taking us apart, and rebuilding us brand new right here in this church, in this moment, in all of us, and in you. And brothers and sisters, it's going to blow your mind. Amen. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks this day for bringing us to you in a whole new way, for overturning the parts of us that need to be overturned, for taking time, for giving us time to see what's most important, for showing us, Lord, how to be your church in a whole brand new way. God, we give you thanks. We pray over our congregational meeting today, Lord, that it would be uplifting, that it would bring life. And we give you thanks, oh God, for the blessings that we have as this church to walk into this new chapter, heads held high, knowing that you will rebuild your church. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's children say, amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.